Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, a weekly interview show about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. I'm here with my little studio assistant, Abby. She couldn't sleep, so she's here counting out colored pencils on the floor. So you might hear a little peep from her in the background, and if you do, you'll know what's going on. But you're going to try to be quiet, right, Abby? Yeah, she nodded her head. See, she's catching on here. This week, my guest is a very inspiring woman might be about a year ago that I learned about Susie Huer. She lives in England. She's 50 years old, and she is a marathon runner. And you're probably wondering, okay, what the heck are you doing a Craft Sanity podcast about marathons? I'm very inspired by Susie because I learned about her while reading Vogue Knitting. And this was right after she had completed a marathon during which she knitted a scarf the entire way. So she was running... 26.2 miles, and knitting the entire way. I thought that was pretty remarkable. She set a Guinness Book of World Records. Um, she's on the books for knitting the longest scarf while running. So, okay, let's get to this interview. I think you're really going to enjoy it. First of all, congratulations are in order. Congratulations you. to you for you know taking your own record down. That's awesome. <laughs> how, are you, how are you feeling? Have you recovered yet? Oh, yes, I'm fine now. I was a bit stiff the next day. My yeah. arms and shoulders, oh, ouch. <laughs> Traditional marathon runners can't appreciate the pain you were in because not only, I know when I ran my only marathon that I've run, I did not do any knitting, and my legs were like, cra- I mean, hurt like crazy the next day, but my arms were not so bad. But when you, I mean, you basically do a full body workout when you're out there. Absolutely. I don't need to go to the gym and do weights now. <laughs> You're carrying heavy wool. What I like to do is kind of start at the beginning and hear a little bit about your your history as uh, as a knitter. And I don't know if you do you do other crafts as well. I do. Yes, Jennifer. I mean, I came from a crafting family. My mum taught me everything I know about all sorts of different crafts. She taught me knitting when I was a child. I used to do tatting. I used to still do crochet, dressmaking, embroidery. You name it, I've had a go at it or I still do it even. What's your favourite? I think crochet, really. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoy crochet. I think I'm better at crochet than knitting, actually. Then why did you pick um, knitting to do for your marathon? Why didn't you crochet? <laughs> it was a joke, really, because last year for my 50th birthday, I was running a series of marathons, and I was also running a 50-mile event. And my friend said, oh, for goodness sake, Susie, why don't you stay at home and do your knitting? Uh-huh. And I, I thought, Ah, I can combine the two at the London Marathon because that's a real big fundraising event and it, it's not a time for a serious time or anything. You know, it's when you have a bit of fun. So I just combined the two. Well, that's awesome. But why don't you tell me a little bit about how you decided to set a, a world record? Well, it all sort of snowballed from my friend's little idea about me staying at home and doing my knitting. And I sort of got thinking and thought, hmm, OK, I'll take my knitting with me and I'll just sort of knit a little bit and chat to people en route. Nothing really serious. And then one of the national newspapers picked up on the story and printed it. So there was this 
thing about this woman, this mad woman, this mad 50-year-old woman's going to be running the marathon and knitting. <sighs> and the people from Guinness World Records saw it and emailed me to say that they were actually going to be at the London Marathon because they had several people dressing up as Elvis to try and be the fastest Elvis. And they said, why didn't I think about incorporating the knitting into some sort of Guinness World Record? And the only thing I could think of that was comparatively easy was knitting a scarf because right. I thought it was straightforward, isn't it? Right, yeah. You don't have to worry about a pattern, you know, just go back and forth. <laughs> so that's that's where that came from and it's just sort of snowballed from there really. And then had you planned to do it as a fundraiser before that point? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the whole the whole point of me running all the marathons was to raise money for the Alzheimer's Research Trust in memory of my mum because she suffered from vascular dementia. So it's a cause very close to my heart. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear what happened to your mom. Um, why don't you tell us, what was your mom's name? Her name was Peggy, Peggy Walton. Yeah, and um, when did you lose her? She died in March 2005. Okay, and have you been doing fundraising ever since, or is that when you started running marathons, or had you been running marathons before that? No, that that was the first time I ran marathons for charity. Wow. I'd run one, one marathon prior to that in the October, which was for mum, and then... When she died, I thought, right, that's it. I, I have to raise awareness of this disease. And the only thing I could think of to do it would be to run marathons and sort of spread the word that way. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great thing that you're doing. And how, how much money have you been able to raise so far? So far, I've raised about £12,000. Wow. And in US dollars, do you have any idea what that is? That's about uh, $25,000. Wow. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. It really, and it really does make a difference. And does that make you feel... A little bit better about the situation to know you're doing something to help the cause it does it makes me feel as if I'm, I'm talking about it I'm getting it out in the open because like a lot of diseases affecting the mind any sort of mental health is sort of pushed aside and people don't like to talk about it so I, I feel as if I'm trying to bring it out into the open a bit more yeah they look yeah. so mum didn't bring this on herself <laughs> it right happened. Right. And that is one of the, I mean, that is, I mean, I've, I don't have any relatives that have gone through that myself, but I, I've certainly known people who have had relatives that have gone through that. Marathon is not easy and to do so many in a year um, mm -hmm. is really impressive. And, and then I, but it's, I'm glad you're also having fun with it too. What kind of response do you get when you, you line up at the starting line and you're, you have all these balls of yarn <laughs> attached to you and how do you kind of fasten them to an apron? I understand. That's right. That's right. Now, yeah, now that's... what kind of looks do you get and what do people say? <laughs> You get you get a whole gamut of things. I've had, um, God, you're completely mad. I've had people saying I'm completely mad. And then throughout the race, runners are coming up alongside and saying, oh, wow, you're awesome, or you're doing so well, and they'll applaud, or, yeah. or they either don't get it at all. You know, they either really understand or they totally don't get it. Oh, <laughs> but most people are very supportive. Yeah, well, and the thing about it, too, is I think it, what you're doing is um, definitely harder than just running a marathon because you have to be... I mean, you're moving your arms and you're mm -hmm. holding your hands. I mean, you have to hold your hands up. You can't like just relax your upper body like you try to do when you're running. First time you ran it, when, what date was that when you set the record the first time? That was last year. That was April 2007. Okay. And so, yeah, about a year ago exactly because that was yeah. like the London Marathon. And what was your time then? It was five hours 50. I had a time limit of six hours to get rounding, you see. Ordinarily, I'd run a marathon in about four and a half hours. But um, they gave me a six-hour time limit, so I slowed right down so I could maximize the knitting time. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> and so then you um, – and how long was your scarf that first time? 
that with 120 centimeters last year. You went then the, this past year and you were able to break your record. And what was your time this time? It was five hours, 55 minutes. I couldn't have got much closer, I don't think. Yeah, but, but, the, uh, but what you were actually trying to do is make a longer scarf. Correct. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you gave yourself that five more minutes, you know. Um, and how long? How much longer was your scarf? It was 162 centimeters. Okay, so quite a bit longer, and uh, yeah. it's, um, but it was a lot heavier. I understand. It was yes. I had this really good idea, or so I thought that I'd use a much thicker yarn because last year, towards the end, the thinner yarn was cutting into my fingers, and my fingers were getting all cramped. So I thought I'll use a bulkier yarn, and it would be easier. And that was probably the worst decision I've ever made. It was so heavy. <laughs> it was incredibly heavy, and my forearms were aching by about ten miles. And I just, I just thought, oh, crumbs! I've really made a huge mistake with this. Any yarn shops on the way where you could go and trade your yarn? <laughs> Yeah, no, they wouldn't let you off the course, I don't think. Oh, geez. Well, that, but, well that's impressive nonetheless. I think it's fantastic. Um, and I mean, I think the cause is wonderful too, just to be able to do something fun, to raise money. And um, so did you beat any of the Elvis uh, uh, impersonators? <laughs> do you know, I, I don't think I did last year, but I certainly beat a couple of clowns this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, when I, I did the Grand Rapids Marathon last October, and there was a, a gentleman who I believe did set the world record for uh, completing a marathon on stilts and it looked oh, yeah. so scary I mean he made me nervous yeah. because when I went past him he started about an hour before yeah. the race started and he was up there so high on these stilts and I just thought geez all it would take is one runner to like cut yeah. him off or something sure. and he would go right down on his face and I mean it was yeah. scary to me but I mean he made it and um you know I, and I respect the fact that I mean he got he decided that's what he wants to do you know yeah, sure. So, but yeah, it's something else. I mean, because there's people testing themselves. But yes. how has it changed your life to become known as this extreme knitting redhead, uh, you know, who knits while she runs marathons? It's, it's quite funny, Jennifer, really, because I don't, I don't take myself at all seriously. Right. And sometimes, sometimes my husband and I sit here and go, look at that, you've just been on television or I've just been in the paper and you think it's just me. I'm just an ordinary person. Right. It's quite strange. <laughs> Well, while people know you as, you know, for your marathon running and your knitting, um, what, what else, what do you do? Um, do you have a day job or what do you do when you're not out there running these marathons? No, I'm retired now. After, after I finished caring for mum, I didn't go back to work. What were you doing? I, what was your profession? I was a general manager of a garden centre. Okay. So I was in the horticultural industry. Oh, cool. Because that's, oh, cool. that's another of my passions. I love gardening. Oh, so do you have a really big garden at your house? Yeah, we've got a fabulous garden. We live in the, in the middle of the countryside, and it's just beautiful around here. Oh, I'm very, very lucky. Awesome. So that must that sounds delightful to get to spend time in working on your own garden and not having to yeah. worry about helping other people with theirs so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's yeah. nice. So, do you, and so you, it sounds like you do more crocheting than knitting when you're not out there setting records. Well, ordinarily I do, but I seem to have got the knitting bug in the last, three or four years and I, I, I'm doing more knitting than crochet now yeah and I'm, I'm sort of experimenting with things that I've never tried before I've started experimenting with Fair Isle which is something that my mum used to do so I never bothered doing it if you see what I mean right right but I tried that last year and I knitted a Fair Isle pair of gloves which I really enjoyed I found it very absorbing and at the moment I've started to knit a, a Fair Isle jumper and it's just wonderful. It's it's so absorbing seeing all the colours coming together and the pattern forming. I'm really enjoying that side of it. Well, it sounds wonderful. So, you do you do you feel you get a lot of attention around where you live now that you didn't get before? 
Um, well, they're sort of used to me running marathons anyway. We only live in a small village community, so everybody knows me and everybody knows oh, that, that mad woman who runs marathons. Uh, that's <laughs> they're, funny. They're all incredibly supportive and, and some people sponsor me, but some people just wave and shout, come on, you're doing well. And it's just lovely, lovely atmosphere. Well, it sounds like you've made a, um, you're, you're living a, a happy life doing all these things that you just, whatever appeals to you, it sounds like you, you'll take up, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, jack so, of all trades. <laughs> well, what do you, is there a knitting craze going on um, in the London area, in, in the UK that, I mean, because I know in the United States, I mean, it's kind of, uh, it might have already reached its peak, you know, the whole mm -hmm. uh, knitting but of course, crafting is huge over here. Um, people are getting into, I'd say, sewing and mm. embroidery are coming on pretty strong here in the states. But what are you, what are you observing over there where you live? What's hot in your as far uh, as craft goes? Definitely, definitely knitting and crochet are really coming to the fore, which is fantastic. And you know what? I I really think it's because of the internet. I think now we've got this global village that we can just call on for all this information I think it's really infused people again people who perhaps didn't belong to a knitting group now I mean we never had knitting groups when I was younger it would have been wonderful so we've got all these knitting groups going on we've got crochet workshops going on and I think the other thing that's really uh, high at the moment is um, crafting on cards and um, what's it called scrapbook making oh yeah mm -hmm. they seem to be very very popular now I see an awful lot of that going on yeah, I, scrapbooking has been big over here for a long time. But it, do you have a lot of craft shops to buy supplies at over there? Well, we didn't have, but again, they're now starting to spring up. I mean, in the late eighties, early nineties, all the all the wool shops were closing down, which was so sad. And then all of a sudden, they're starting to spring up all over the place again. So it's just it's craft heaven, really. Oh, that's awesome. When I contacted you I don't know if you googled me or what but you had found out that I had uh talked smack on my yeah. on my blog about yeah maybe I'll go after this you know it's hilarious how a person can I think I was I hadn't even run a marathon at that point when I spouted that off so I had no idea like what was even involved and uh, uh, when I ran after I ran a marathon that was a very humbling experience um I was so curious though because I'm thinking okay when you're running, okay, now knitting is relaxing if you're sitting in a chair, okay? But when you're, when you're out there running, I mean, I know all about the endorphins that kick in when you run, but now when you're knitting and running, is the marathon more relaxing to you when you're going slower and you're running, or is this just a stressful situation all around? Oh, it's incredibly stressful, Jennifer. I love that. Oh, it's so easy. Of course, I do it naturally, but it's hard. It hurts like mad. The only thing you can say is it takes the pain away from your legs. Because yeah. your arm's hurting so much. <laughs> so it disperses the pain. Oh, my goodness. Well, so you, so it doesn't have any kind of relaxing effect when you're running a oh, marathon. I'm afraid not, no. I was hoping that you would say, yes, actually, the marathon is a little more soothing. But, um, well, and I'm thinking, at first I was thinking, okay, this would be easier to run a marathon, like, slower. I'm thinking, no. okay, if you slow down. But the problem is you're suffering for longer, really. Mm -hmm. I, I can attest that it's harder running a slow marathon. And since I, I've run slower, I've really gained a respect for the people at the back of the pack yeah, who go back time and time again and do it in six, seven, eight hours. Yeah, and there's, I mean, because you are suffering, your body is under some extreme stress. Um, that's and, right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, at the end of my marathon, I think that's what really pulled me to the end. I'm like, okay, if I can just finish this thing up, I can stop. The pain will end, you know. Um, <laughs> so so I, now I, I, this isn't the best commercial that we're putting out there for marathons. No. <laughs> I mean, I think, though, I mean, would you agree that I think in order to run a marathon, like to be a marathon runner, like someone who would ever do it more than once or 
even do it once. And even though my first experience is not the greatest, I want to run another one in October. If I'm up to it, I'm going to try to do it in October. I do think that runners, extreme runners, um, we do have possibly a screw loose because you you have to be willing to put yourself (laughs) under serious stress. Um, Mm -hmm. and basically you don't get to just, you know, I mean, it's, it's a stressful situation, but for me, I know I did it just to basically see if I could. And then mm. once you see that you can, you're like, oh, I want to go faster next time. Or I want to, yeah. you know, it's like this slippery slope, you know. Um, but what was your first response, your first marathon that you did? I mean, how did you take to it? Well, my first marathon was I, I did it because my mum had just gone into uh, palliative care. And I thought, right, I want to do this for you, mum. So I, too, was injured <laughs> and I had a problem with my iliotibial band. And there's no way I should have run it as well. And I got I got to mile 12 and a half and my knee would hardly move and I should have pulled out, but I thought I'm not pulling out. So I literally dragged my leg for the remaining 13 oh and a half months. I know. I mean, it's like I seriously could not run for another month after the, the, no. the race. I mean, it was insane. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, why did I do this? And then people said, somebody asked me, well, would you do it again? You know, knowing yeah. how you feel now after it, would you do I'm like, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, it's ridic- I can't even explain so I, I emerge feeling like, well, my body has some serious limitations, but my mind is very strong, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, somebody, once, somebody once told me, Jennifer, that the marathon is 60% training and 40% mind. And I think that's so true because a strong mind and determination will get you through. Yeah, I, I think it actually might be 60% mind. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could be right. <laughs> had a chance to talk to some uh, people in the craft world the other day at a, a dinner, and I was talking to uh, the editor of uh, uh, Crochet Today here in the United States. Her name is Brett, and you know I was talking to her and telling the, the group that I was going to be interviewing you um, today. And what was really funny about it is I said, yeah, I said, you know, I was talking smack about, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I said, but, you know, I don't know if I could actually pull that off and um, or that I would actually want to. And they were like, yeah, that'd be really hard. But they said, well, you know, you could – you could get people, the knitters of America, and well, the knitters around the globe, to maybe do some fundraiser, um, 5Ks or even shorter races where they're walking, and um, even like knitting while you walk, which wouldn't be nearly as hard. And you could maybe make hats to donate, you know. Um, and so at the end of the race, people turn in their maybe their time chip from their shoe and also a hat that they've uh, knitted along the way and I thought well that could be kind of a cool like for cancer patients right or, idea yeah. yeah so I I don't know what we can get started but I think that would be mm-hmm. kind of a cool cool thing to see people um so so people don't feel like they have to you know do like months of training and change their <laughs> diet to eat protein bars all the yeah. time or something you know just yeah. to be able yeah. to to feel like hey I did I got out there I did a brisk walk and here's cool. the hat for charity now that you broke the record twice what is your what do you want to do now well I've still got some marathons to run this year I've still got three more marathons to run but I won't be knitting doing them (laughs) maybe next year at London is that the next time you'll try to go for your record again possibly yes I don't don't know if I might try something different next year (laughs) there's only so many many scarves a girl can knit (laughs) oh I see so you might do something uh, totally well that'll keep things interesting for you it also help you collect more records right I suppose it will. <laughs> now, how does that work? Do you have to pay um, Guinness Book of World Records to send people out, or how, do they do this for free, or how, how does that work? Well, ordinarily, yes, you, you would have to pay for them to attend if you want to, but because they're at the marathon anyway, we don't actually have to pay money to them, which is fantastic. Oh, that's great. 
Like you said there were Elvis impersonators running. What other kinds of stuff were people trying to do? We had uh, a group of 24 people who were running tied together. So they had like a cord between them and they set a record for that. Wow. So that, that was phenomenal. They did a really good time as well. They got around in about five hours, 50 minutes. Wow. And considering there were all sorts of different abilities, that was quite an achievement. There was um, an American guy who was uh, dribbling a, a, a basketball all the way around. Now, did he make it? I don't know. Because that <laughs> seems like that would be really hard to do, especially with all those people running around you. I did say to him, how are you going to keep hold of the ball in 35,000 people? You know, because that's what you've got to remember. It's not just you running. You've got all this swarm of people around you, which can be incredibly intimidating yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and someone might steal the ball, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Football with it, yeah. Oh, goodness. And so do you get to meet all these people? Do they do special media events before? Yeah. Yeah, they do a media event uh, a couple of days beforehand and you, you meet some of them there and then you meet at the start as well because we all have to start from the same area. So did you have fans knitting along the way? <laughs> no, actually we didn't this year. The weather was really, really horrid and nobody turned out, sadly. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. But so the first year you did have knitting supporters? Yes, yes, we did. We had a little group of people at about mile 14, which was nice. So it sounds like next year you're going to try to do something a little bit different. Well, I did start twittering on about it as soon as I crossed the finish line. And my husband just rolled his eyes and said, you can't be serious. So what do you think you want to do? <laughs> I don't know, Jennifer. I, I mean, I was saying, oh, maybe I could do something different. And Mike, Mike wasn't quite sure what I was going down that route for. So I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to so do. So I, I take it your husband's not a runner. Well, he did. He did run, Jennifer. He ran a marathon in Liverpool 25 oh, years ago. And I'm trying to persuade him to take it up again. But he doesn't run at the moment. Yeah, now my husband won't run. But he says something like he doesn't hate himself that much. You know, <laughs> I think to people who see someone they love go through that, <laughs> that trauma to their body, they don't really understand. Like, well, why in the world would you want to do that again? But, exactly. but yeah. it's quite a rush, though. It is. It is, isn't it? It yeah. is. There's something addictive about the marathon. And it's such an achievement, no matter what time you do. Whether you're fat, thin, young, old, no matter what time you do, it's an amazing achievement. Do you have people that are following what you're doing around the world? Yes, I mean, I, mean, I sometimes get comments on my blog, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm always amazed, actually, because it never occurs to me that people would be bothering to read my blog. I don't know if you have any, any words of inspiration about people, for people who may have either, they, you know, they lost a loved one or they're you know, just looking to figure out something to do to, for a cause. What have you learned that you think might well, benefit others? I, I think I've, I've seen so many people doing so many different things for good causes. And I say use the internet whatever way you can, because I've seen people knitting hats for sailors and getting help from all over the world. They just put something on the blog saying, I'm going to do this in memory of my father, et cetera, et cetera. And then they get hundreds and hundreds of hats from all over the world. I, I think use your craft however you can. If you making blankets for old people, if it's making scarves for the homeless. There's always something you can do with your craft to raise money or to raise awareness and use the internet because it's a very valuable tool. Where's the farthest um, place you've gotten a donation from? Um, Massachusetts. How often are you running? Do you run every single day? No, I run five days a week. About how much, how much mileage? Well, at the height of my marathon training, I'm running 50 miles a week. Wow, okay. But ordinarily, I'll run about 40 miles a week. 
But I don't know if there's anything you would like to say or anything, any story you'd like to share that I didn't specifically ask you about. No, I'd, I'd just like to say if, if anybody knows anybody who's suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia or has somebody in their own family, if they want to contact me, just leave a message on my blog. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about it because it can be very isolating, particularly if you're a carer for that person, because a lot of people will steer away from you. As many friends who come and rally round also stay away because they can't deal with that sort of illness. So if anybody wants some support, then please leave me a message and I'll get back to you. Only uh, happy to well, help. That's very nice. If you and your husband ever come to uh, decide to come to Michigan, our, our marathon's in October here right in town and um that's probably the only one that i would be able to run and knit with you at. <laughs> or crochet oh, you know, you know we, we, could tie, we, we could tie each other we tie ourselves together with a, a string of, <laughs> of yarn and see how fast we could run that marathon um, uh, but yeah so if you want to do something really crazy let me know because i'm always up for some uh strange physical challenge so <laughs> that would be lovely jennifer it's been lovely talking to you thank you ever so much oh you're welcome have a delightful day and you take care thanks. now bye. bye thanks to Susie for being such a great guest this week i really appreciate that and i hope you are all inspired now to maybe take up running Maybe not knitting and running, because some of you probably, many of you already knit. But if, I hope this kind of gets you thinking. If you have, you know, some idea in the back of your mind, Susie is really inspirational in the sense that, you know, she, there was this kind of fun idea kicked around, and she decided to run with it. Uh, if there are any of you out there who are interested in helping me organize some kind of event where you walk and knit and knit for a cause, I think it'd be awesome to be able to have an event where we stitch along the way and then at the end have something to turn in and if we're going at a slow enough pace where we can chat it up burn some calories and um, just have fun so the pattern would have to be something very basic so we can all just focus on the conversation and having a good time I'm going to be posting eight winners who are going to receive some very exciting little goodies from the Jenny Hart contest. Thanks to all of you who took the time to post a comment. That was really great. We had a whole lot of entries. And I've enjoyed clicking the links and checking out what you guys have been making. Very inspiring. I've really enjoyed that. So thank you for getting that conversation going. And first two days of this week are going to be a little crazy, but I'm hoping to have everything organized and ready so I can post. Hopefully I'll be able to do that Wednesday night post information about the winners and all the winners will be receiving an email from me so I'll contact you so I can get the snail mail addresses and get those mailed out to you this is fun to be able to give away eight items very cool a special thanks to Jenny Hart for donating all the goodies for this contest okay I'm going to end with an essay I wrote that was published in today's edition of the Grand Rapids Press where I work as an art and craft columnist and feature writer this was the Sunday, May 11th, Mother's Day edition of the newspaper. And uh, my column is usually all about other people, local artists and crafters. This week I kind of changed it up a little bit and I wrote about the quilt I've been working on. So those of you who read my blog have heard probably more than you want to know about this quilt. So, And here you're going to hear a little more. But um, I think I'm going to get it. I have it out of my system after this. So I think you'll get a little bit of a quilt reprieve. So look forward to that. But I did want to share this with you for those of you who, who haven't seen the vlog and might be interested. So I'm going to read you my essay. 
I've spent the last several weeks stitching little crayon drawings onto fabric, a slow and relaxing process that has let my mind wander back to a time when I couldn't imagine happily embroidering the art of a child, especially not my own. It's been six years since I revealed my shattered self in the Sunday edition of the Grand Rapids Press. I wrote an essay about how my plan to tell family members on Mother's Day 2002 that I was expecting was preempted by an ultrasound revealing my first pregnancy would end in miscarriage. The process overwhelmed me. It helped to know I wasn't alone in my grief as I packed up my baby knitting projects for an undetermined amount of time. I kept the faith but still spent months feeling angry and disappointed. The sight of pregnant women and babies made my heart ache in a way I'd never experienced, and this response was embarrassing. I desperately wanted to get over it, as so many people encourage you to do. A year after the miscarriage, I was beginning to accept motherhood might not be in the cards for me. I enrolled in graduate school to gain some forward momentum. And wouldn't you know, in the midst of juggling a full-time job and a full load of classes, the stars finally aligned. I was pregnant. Uh, the pregnancy was a nail-biter, involving two months of bed rest and trips to the emergency room. So I needed to pass the time during the difficult pregnancy, and I didn't allow myself to believe it was really happening until I held Abby Rose Haywood on a spring afternoon in 2004. It was as if I had been holding my breath for nine months. Abby just turned four. She's smart, strong-willed, curious, and chatty. She likes ballet, tea parties, Spongebob, dressing up in fancy dresses, and twirling around the living room with her little sister Amelia. Six years ago, I wrote, I don't know what the future holds for me and Jeff as parents. I want my hopes and my dreams for my children to be actual memories someday, events to fill scrapbooks with precious photographs of Christmas mornings, school talent shows, and trips to the zoo. Today, I feel like the luckiest woman on the planet because it's happening, folks. I'm thrilled with the opportunity I've been given to have daily adventures with these two little girls, to love them and have them love me back. Even when I'm setting the timer on the stove to administer the latest time out, not far behind the temporary anger is a realization that I prayed hard to be their mother. I keep my camera nearby and snap pictures to document life with the girls almost every day. I photograph those moments Jeff and I smile about but could forget if we didn't have the photos. They remind us of the random way Abby decorates the house with her artwork using excessive amounts of masking tape and how Amelia covers our dog with blankets while she snoozes in a sea of kids' toys. Our crafty adventures have just begun but are shaping up to be great fun. I gave the girls each a box of Crayolas and a sketchbook for Valentine's Day and was pleasantly surprised by what I found in Abby's. A big fan of the Pixar film Monsters, Inc., she had drawn a collection of happy monsters, complete with arms and legs and facial expressions. It seemed like overnight actual creatures began to emerge from her previous pattern of colorful scribbles. I was delighted and asked her if she minded if I embroidered them onto fabric. That sounds like a good idea, she said, excited. I traced one of her drawings onto a scrap of muslin and stitched that evening while the girls slept. In the morning, I showed Abby my work. Good job, Mama, she said, smiling. We repeated this sequence several more times until I had stitched enough of her drawings to make a quilt for her fourth birthday. When I showed Abby the quilt, she beamed. I love it, Mama, and I love feeling so inspired. As I finished hand-stitching the binding the other day, I remembered how I felt six years ago, and I couldn't help but think of the many women who are in that place now. Mother's Day is bittersweet that way. If you're still waiting for the stars to align, don't lose hope. And for those of us blessed to be mothers, today's a great day to hug our kids a little tighter because it's so easy to forget how lucky we are. Thanks for listening, folks, and uh, I'll see you back here very soon. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. 
Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity. Okay, Abby, it's really time for bed now. Okay? Are you ready for bed? Yeah, thank you for being quiet. You did a great job. <laughs>